Hey, y'all. I'm excited about this week's episode. This is the first elk hunting episode for the fall of 2019. The other thing I'm excited about is we gave this episode a little bit of a different twist. This episode's put together specifically for the person who's new to elk hunting. They've never killed an elk before. Maybe this is their first time going out west. Jordan and I are both still very new to elk hunting. We've been blessed to hunt with a lot of people. They've been doing it for a long time and actually know what they're doing out there, but we're still green. Jordan's actually going after his first archery elk this year. I've only killed one archery elk myself, so... We've gotten to be in on a lot of kills just through filming, but we're still learning. We're still very new to it. So I think from our experiences and the wide variety of things we've learned from watching guys like Will, Brad, and Troy in the Elkwoods, we can give you, the new elk hunter, a real good idea of what you need to do, what you need to have with you in order to be successful. We break down everything from what we have in our packs, our bow vest, our bow setups, to even learning how to prepare for when that bull's making his way into bow range. I'm proud of this episode. I think there's a lot of good information there think you'll enjoy it and lastly i hope you're enjoying this podcast if you are do us a favor head on over to itunes give us a rating and write us a review enjoy the show and we're rolling cool jordan hello um so last week we were talking about kind of staging up for whitetail season yeah and um that kind of, they don't go hand in hand, but the time of year does kind of coincide because we're also slipping up very, very – we'll slip up on September a lot quicker than we will October. We are fishing to get busy. Busy, busy. Starting next week. But what does coincide, like I said, the timing of it is with the the way that it works out, and it, it does for a lot of people, you got to kind of start thinking about whitetails and elk season. Yeah. So that's the whole point of this week and is elk season. And – um not just that i kind of want to talk specifically to i know you probably hear it too we get messages messages about it on the facebook and instagram and all that people Mm -hmm. asking just curious because they're going on maybe their first ever elk hunt or they haven't been much at all pretty much very very new to it you know and they're maybe from the southeast or basically anywhere where there's not elk yeah there's, they, a, there's a lot of area in this country that doesn't have elk right and there's 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 honestly man there's you know there's a fair amount of people too that live fairly close to elk and still haven't gone after them before yeah. you know and so there's the their first time doing it and so they just kind of have questions you know what do i do and so i thought it would be a good idea uh for us to talk this over specifically um and we're going to do more this is another kind of a thing to add in we're going to do some more elk episodes in the future uh in the near future but i did the, wanted to do this one specifically with you and i because one like i went on my first archery elk hunt two two septembers ago and you're only yeah my only archery elk hunt so i'm still new to it i'm still learning all the time very much very much so and then you are going on your first archery elk hunt ever in next month yeah we're talking about actually toting a bow yeah (laughs) we've been on a lot as far as filming right yeah that that is one thing i will say as a disclaimer um when you know a lot of folks and stuff were asking me about you know like when i got to kill that one with my bow which i was i'm still very thankful for still not really it's still kind of surreal to me that it happened but i was like my one huge advantage that i did have is just through filming i've been able to watch it happen so many times so i kind of knew the process oh man you're sitting there with a camera especially on the kill cam i mean you're in the same position the hunter is right so you're you're seeing it unfold same everything except for you're not actually shooting the animal so on this episode i wanted to get just kind of a perspective of what goes through your head 
when you're getting ready for that hunt and also just kind of breaking down what you need you know what yeah. like what do you need to go out there and be successful and there's a lot of things that add into that that aren't always thought about i mean there's your obvious things like your bow your arrows and your release and your broadheads you know yeah stuff like that but there's stuff that you forget about you know um or you don't put as much emphasis on mm-hmm. so let's just go go at it from from the top but for all that let's talk about let's talk about this like you you're getting ready like i said it's, it's less than a month away now how you feel yeah, we're leaving in three weeks four weeks so yeah most today like the 15th 16th. today is august the 16th yeah, so we're leaving a month from two days ago. Yeah. Leaving like a 12th, 13th, something right. like that, 14th. How um, you feeling? Uh, it's kind of starting to kick in, you know. Kinda, yeah. I'm starting to, like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know. It's a lot. I mean, it really is, If or it was to me. Mm-hmm. I can remember, like, I started thinking about it. I started thinking about it as soon as they told me I was going to have a tag that year. Yeah, but I, I have too, but in the last couple of days, especially you started watching on Instagram and stuff, People are posting all these elk pictures and they're scouting and yeah, I mean, it just it starts to, to get a lot more real. Yeah, yeah. And we got you know dove season coming up in a couple of weeks and that's kind of the kickoff. You're like, okay, yeah. it's hunting season yeah. now. For those that that don't know, I think it's a pretty pretty easily a blanket statement for the southeast. Dove hunting is very much it's it's, a, it's huge down here. Yeah, more, there's, there's more people that dove hunt on opening day than there's deer hunters. Yeah, it's it's and it's more like. I love this is a rabbit hole, but I'm gonna go ahead and run down it. I love dove season in the South. Yeah, because it's so much more than the hunt, man. It's people. It's 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 a it's a so much as a social gathering. It is a hunt. You it's the start of college football. Yeah, you know, there's always a Mississippi State football game on that day. Yeah, um, it's it's a good day. It's a good day. But this, uh, this year's gonna be a little odd because we're starting on Sunday. Yeah, Sunday afternoon because the way the days fell or however that works. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, anyhow, so I, I won't chase that too far because I could talk about dove hunting for a while because I do love it. But uh, yeah, that's usually when when the dove hunt happens, you know, all right, here comes fall. Yeah, and it's it's here. And so um, yeah, let's get into like starting from the bare basics, like with your gear. And I want to get to what we do with like bows and arrows and our sups and all that. But just as far as like stuff that you take, like let's start with. Uh, clothing mm-hmm. you know how how important are the boots you wear that's what i was just fixing to say yeah this is i've been on an elk hunt every year now for the last six years yeah and i had some crappy boots the first couple times yeah and then when i came work at primo's i got some kinetrix right or either some good danners whatever yeah good boots and it makes so much of a difference it does for because like I know, like, the mindset, because, again, some of those boots, if you look at them, some of them can get pricey. Yeah. But I can tell you from personal experience, taking care of your feet when you're elk hunting right there, because elk hunting is so physical. Yeah. And, you know, it even starts if... starts at your tires. Even if, yeah. <laughs> even if you're sitting in a water hole, more often than not, you're having to walk to get there. Yeah. And, and the terrain is... That's what... That's part of the allure that makes elk what they are, is how they live in the rugged terrain that they live in. And so boots and socks are not something you want to fudge on. No. And gold bond foot powder. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you introduced me to that. It's cooling sensation that makes you feel like you just got out of the spa. It's not... He's not lying. Like, we laugh at it, but it's for real. The first time that that george's first year at primo's when he came and was was filming elk hunts with us 
I see him dumping this stuff into his socks. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, it's gold bond foot powder. But that stuff, even if you don't have a blister, yeah, it just, your your feet get hot and wore down, and you you put just pour that powder just, in your socks, and it refreshes them. Yeah, I'm tell you, I can't put. And it may sound goofy. I really I don't care if it does because it's 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 pretty it's legit. Like you need to take care of your feet. Yeah, that's in a blue canister. Because yeah, I mean it's yeah, it's gold bond looks like a regular thing of gold bond but it's blue and it says foot powder on it warning it gets cold so don't use it anywhere but your feet (laughs) (laughs) it's a good point (laughs) it's a good point um but yeah because i would like a a vast majority of the people that are thinking about going on first elk hunts and venturing out probably hitting public land and places like that and you're gonna be walking Mm -hmm. no ifs ands or buts about it you are going to be walking yeah, but that, that's definitely, that's where right where my mind was going when you were talking about what do you start with? Boots. I boots mean, and socks. Yeah, good boots, something with great ankle support. You can lace up tight, you know. I've got problems with ingrown toenails like crazy. Yeah. And if my boots don't fit right, like it takes a couple of days and my freaking toes are bleeding. Yeah. And that after that happens, you're out. Yeah. You can't hardly uh, yeah, go. I, I can't emphasize it enough. If you don't get the right boots, you're going to be walking more than you're used to you're going to be walking in terrain that you're not used to like most likely at elevation you're not used to and so your feet are going to get taxed at a level they're not used to so you have to take care of your feet because and you think about it it's there's no indirect about it it will directly affect your hunt if you can't move around and walk around like you need to it's going to affect you think about this you can go out and buy eighty thousand dollar pickup and if it don't have any tires on it or if they're flat, right? It's doing you no good. Yeah, you get you get you a nice pickup and put the tires for a Honda Accord. It's not going to do you any yeah. good. Yeah, first rock you hit, you got to blow out. Right. Yeah. Good point. That's a good way to think about it. Yeah. Um, as far as like shirts and and pants and stuff, um, a lot of that I would probably say, like, man, just hop on the weather app on your phone of where you're going to, and yeah. kind of get an idea what the weather's going to look like. Well, yeah. I mean, like, say. Colorado, for for instance, where that high high altitude is, mm-hmm. it may get below freezing at night, and then during the middle of the day, it gets up to 70, 80 degrees. Right. It's so much of a, a difference in the temperature change yeah. in those high altitudes. I, I always find myself it looks it looks goofy or feels kind of goofy, but I, I carry a little bit of everything. Yeah, you know, because the 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 weather out there can change pretty a pretty good bit. You know, but one thing I've learned too about clothes. You can put on way too much if you're elk hunting. Yeah. Like you don't wear the if it's going to be 30 degrees, you don't wear the same 30 degree outfit you would for deer hunting because yeah. of all the walking you're doing. Yeah. I mean, I'll just like if it's going to be 40 in the morning, I'm wearing the same stuff I do here in early season whitetail. Yeah. Correct. Because you're walking and you don't get cold. Yeah. I would uh, I would probably suggest, like I said, just if you can bring a little bit of everything, but but make it to where you have the ability to layer up or layer down if you need to. Dude, those those Drake tech pants, the turkey pants yeah. we got this year, old yeah. time. The, the, uh, yeah. Those are going to be the ticket. For sure. They're stretchy and they're tough. And I yeah. mean, that's what I'm going to be wearing this year when we're out there in them rocks. Yeah, that is a good point, too, because, like, I can remember the first years I would wake up and it'd be really cold and I would put, like, some um, – some insulated underwear on like yeah. bottoms an hour into and then it, you start miserable. walking and you're like oh my gosh i got to come out of these you know yeah. so a lot of times like it's you're walking so much 
it equalizes. You don't need all that heavy stuff. Make sure they're not, you know, tied in the inseam and stuff because you're going to be changing in elevation, lifting, you know, lifting your knees up and that kind of stuff, and you'll blow the inseam out of them in a heartbeat. Right, right. Um, that's very important. Shirt The shirts and the same thing apply, pants and shirts, like uh, just something that is – bring enough stuff where you can adapt to the weather. Yeah, and comfortable is key. Yeah. Very, very much so. There's so many options now for, you know, real, like, tech-style hunting yeah. apparel. You right. know, the, this polyester, stretchy stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's awesome to hunt in. And like you said, that stuff, that, that old-time stuff, like, I'm probably going to be using that a bunch. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. Those tech shirts are, they're pretty nifty. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it. Another thing is a good pack. Yeah. Like, a good pack. One that's got pockets. Yeah. Uh, it's nothing more aggravating than me. And getting a nice pack, and it has nowhere to store anything. It's got one big pack, right? You know, one big, one big storage in it. Yeah, everything's I, just jumbled up in there. I've been using that. Um, it's a Camelback. I've got the same one. Camelback it? tree stand tr- trophy. I can't remember what it's called. Whitetail something. Yeah, I think it's a tr- tree stand. I could look it up, but um, that one's been nice because it's it's uh it's. Like you talk, you don't want just a big pack with one big pocket. Yeah. Your stuff rattles around. You can't find anything. And a lot of times, you know, when you're elk hunting, you're packing snacks and food and water. You know, your food will get smashed. And then, you know, like maybe if you have a backup release, your release ends up down at the bottom mm-hmm. of the entire back rattling. You want something that has multiple pockets. So you can kind of have everything compartmentalized where you know where it is. And the coolest thing about that pack, it comes with this little wallet. Yep. And you can put your tags, a couple knives, your extra blades if you're using, a, you know, have like a Havilon or something like that. Yep. And you can keep it all in one little compartment yep. and it I folds u- out. I use that thing exclusively so I know where my hunting license, a pen, so I can write everything down, mm-hmm. and some electrical tape. Yeah. I have or I have my electrical tape right next to it so yep. I can, you know. And you, you can put a hydration bladder in it. And yeah. I mean, all that makes a big difference. Hydration bladders are the ticket. Hi, yeah hydration is the ticket out yeah. there take it from first-hand experience you do not want to get dehydrated <laughs> out there i got i got how <laughs> elevation sickness and when i went on turkey hunt in colorado one time it's not fun no that that is one thing to definitely think about especially if you're like us you know a couple flatlanders living at sea level yeah we're at 300 feet here yeah you want to take drink your water like don't get it, it's different you know, it feels a lot different when you're when you're up there. Like down here, it's so humid. You gotta make yourself drink right. up there. Right. Because up there, the, it's so much drier. You don't sweat near as much, mm-hmm. so you don't think about. Or I, you know, I didn't get near as thirsty as I usually do. Yeah. So I didn't drink my water. I got the first year I went out there, I got dehydrated towards the end of the month. Like we were on our like last leg of the of the trip that year in Colorado. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. You, I mean, you're going you want to be peeing every 45 minutes mm-hmm. at least because you want to drink that much water. I can remember we went to um, the basin, slated, killed elk the day before. No, I'm sorry. Um, I can't remember how it went out, but I, we spent an entire day up at the basin, which is which fluctuates anywhere from 11,000 to 12,000 feet if you get up on the sides. And uh, that whole day, I mean, like we stayed in elk that whole day, was trying to just, you know, at the end of the day, I remember thinking we were driving down the mountain. I was like, I drank two bottles of water that whole day. Yeah, that ain't good. And then the next day, I got sick mm-hmm. just because I was not drinking enough. So 
if you take if one of the big takeaways if you're going elk hunting drink your water yeah stay I mean, hydrated I strongly suggest getting a hydration pack camelback yeah. makes great ones yeah camelback makes the that's, hydration that's bladders their bread and butter yeah that's what they do and yeah. that, that makes it easier to do and then they also um you know have like the 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 big what do they call them the water bottle things that tree stand pack you're talking about comes with that exactly comes with a big old water bottle yeah um, holds like a half gallon and those are also i like the reason i like using that one is because it's better than taking like a plastic water bottle because when it gets low it'll start crunching you're making well, noise yeah and it's so it's so large it holds like three bottles of water right so you take that big one that camelback makes and you get plenty of water Plus your hydration bladder, but then you get that and you're not making any noise whatsoever because no there's nothing worse than a crunchy water bottle, especially yeah. if you're hunting with Brad Ferris. <laughs> He's picky about that he noise. He will give you the evil eye so fast you start crunching <laughs> the bottle of water. Um, I'm trying to think of other things that I keep in my pack. Um, knives. You want to have good knives. Yeah, I've got, what, what's that brand? Oh, I don't remember, but there's one that's folding. It's got a gut knife and a outdoor edge yes outdoor edge flipping zip or whatever it's called mm -hmm. one of them orange ones mm -hmm. it, it's awesome and i got a couple smaller knives too yeah knives are i know i'm gonna probably say something along the lines a lot i've said it already is you don't you can't put enough emphasis on whatever well knives are another one of those things yeah elk got some thick skin mm -hmm. and if and you're gonna kill an elk i'm assuming you should be wanting to take care of that meat it's a lot of meat so you're gonna need some good skin in knives. yeah and some type of sharpening Mm -hmm. sharpening device that's yep. the key because as soon as you get that elk peeled back just down his back you're gonna need to sharpen exactly yeah i so, don't care what kind of knife you got yeah. Just dull them. yeah they have thick thick hides you know like they're large animals and they live in some crazy stuff yeah. and they're, they're tough man they're tough so yeah knives um folding saw folding saw for working on the elk and trimming limbs yeah everything you would be surprised how much you use a saw if you take one yeah it's it's like a folding saw and electrical tape both of them have like a bazillion uses yeah that you don't realize until you get out there and don't have it and you go crap and zip ties zip ties i don't know what you use them for on elk hunt but they come in handy i always have them <laughs> just i always have them um obviously if you're planning to be successful yeah. you probably want to have some some game bags yeah speaking on knives and that kind of stuff a multi-tool yeah multi-tools are worth their weight in gold Mm -hmm. and gerber makes a great one or leatherman makes a great one mm -hmm. they're not that expensive like 30 bucks and you 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 would be so surprised on the stuff you can use that multi-tool for yeah i always have there's one in my pack right now i was actually going through my pack last night mm -hmm. and uh yeah i always have one of those as well uh, jimmy gave us those didn't he, he did yeah he did uh clippers yeah. limb, limb clippers yep that seen a lot of this stuff seems minuscule but this like again I'll say anything, any good knowledge I have, I have because I've either screwed up enough where I finally figured out the right way to do it or someone taught me. Mm -hmm. And I'm learning all this just from this will be my sixth season we're going into with Primos, and I'm just learning from all those guys. Yep. And so, like, trimming limbs, like if you're setting up real quick, you know, if something's happening, an elk's bugling coming, you don't want to be trying to break them with your hands. You want to just be able to go snip, snip, snip and have yourself – sometimes sometimes you do want to break them with your hands yeah yeah but you, <laughs> just you depends know on the scenario yeah but if if you need to be quiet you want to be able to just clip real quick yep so those are those are very very valuable to in have a situation you're trying to sneak in on elk at a water hole or something like that but if i mean if you're calling a one breaking limbs is not a big deal correct yeah because he thinks there's another bull over there correct i've seen wilbur do that 
But the first time Everybody. I the first time I saw him do it, I didn't know what was happening. I was like, shouldn't he be quiet? But then I realized he was trying to sound like, you know, just another bull. Yeah, breaking a tree. Mm-hmm. So you got game bags. Mm-hmm. I'll have some too. I usually been uh, waiting, just letting you carry those. <laughs> <laughs> um, I carry the food. Lake carries the essentials to actual hunt with. <laughs> but if you're, yeah, I mean, like you definitely want to have some some snacks with you too. Um, and it sounds like I like I told uh, I was talking to somebody about going on the first elk hunt. Like I know it's like a big thing floating around the hunting industry these days. Some people do the like the I don't know the whole mountain ops thing that our boy Levi gets into. <laughs> And you want to make light of it, but you need to have something with some good nutritional value out there because you lose, a, you burn through a lot of energy and calories yeah. walking around. Protein bars. I forget what them ones we chewed on last year were. Them um, ones with an egg and peanuts. Yeah, RX bars. Is what those called. things are awesome. We use. I've done those. I've done um, Quest bars. I've done um, Cliff bars. Yeah. Just something, and those are small. You can put a lot of them in there. Uh, there's a lot of companies that make them. Yeah, um, those RX uh, bars last year are my favorite. They don't taste like cardboard. No, they don't. And they're they're like I said, they don't. They keep for a long time. You don't really have to worry about smashing them. Uh, Wilbur likes those. Um, what are they called? Kind bars. Yeah. I, I don't like those as much, but he does, and you get kind of the same kind of mm-hmm. stuff out of them because you really, when you're hiking that much, you need it. Some you know. chocolate. Chocolate, yeah. Dark chocolate. We'd carry a bunch of it with us just because it's an energy boost in a hurry. Yeah. Um, it's not bad for you. Yeah. Not uh, that I'm worried about that. <laughs> no, man, this ain't a dietary episode. I just know what, what it feels like to be out there, Yeah, you know. And you don't want to carry a bunch of bulky stuff just because of space. Mm-mm. That's why, that's why we carry those bars, exactly for that reason. Yeah. And we'll make a sandwich and that kind of stuff, and everybody have a sandwich in their bag, and we'll sit down for an hour or two and eat lunch. And yeah. Eat on peanuts and yeah. that kind of stuff. I know some guys they'll even take like a they'll take like a flour tortilla and just put peanut butter in it, and maybe some someone put honey in it, roll it up, stick because that's another one of those things you can put in a bag. If if it gets smashed, what does it matter? It's yeah. a tortilla, you know. Yep. But it's the same kind of a deal. It's just that's kind of a user preference but you want to have something mm-hmm. you want to have some kind of substance while you're out there you, your body will get wore down really really quick yeah no doubt uh, what else i tote in the pack since we're on packs we might as well just go down through it finish that one mm-hmm. out for sure uh i got flagging tape in there flagging tape that's a good that's a good call now this is just what's in my pack not in my bow vest too yeah we'll get that's to a that. whole different ball game too um uh, i usually have flashlights or a headlamp I got two or three flashlights because yeah. you don't know something could go wrong when you're out there in the dark and right you want more than one yeah they don't have to be a big one i know? have a, a handheld i have one of our blood hunter hds and i have a headlamp yeah and like i said i have multiple and then i usually have um at least two of those small packs of double a batteries mm-hmm. or triple a whatever your you know whatever your uh flashlight holds yeah something something to that effect uh, flashlights are important. Flagging tape is important for the sake of whether you're marking a blood trail, um, whether you're. I mean, some of these places you're going in, you don't know where you're going. Exactly, you're trying to mark a way out. There's yeah. there's a a billion different uses for those. If you use Onyx, you have the ability you can download an area, mm-hmm. so that helps. But I always, like I said, flagging tape's a good a good thing, especially if you're hunting like public land or something. Yeah, you want to be able to find your way out. Uh, I've got a phone charger in my backpack. Hard, yeah. Hardly ever break it out, but it's there if I need it, you know. Yeah. I got. I wonder if they're... 
a lot of these places you don't have service so your phone's on airplane yeah. mode all day it really doesn't die that fast no i i was thinking though like i wonder if there's any like legal issues with leaving in certain not in any of the places we've been to but like i wonder if like some of those places there's issues with like leaving flag and tape up oh, i'm sure you need to pick it up as you pull it up out. as you go down yeah just wanted to just put that at, put that out there good gesture to do anyway yeah so yeah don't just leave it yeah you find your marker pull it back down um assuming most of y'all do that anyway but you should mm-hmm. um what else we got in our packs toilet paper toilet paper speaks for speaks for itself wet wipes you know dude wipes whatever all that i mean keep it in one ziplock bag together yeah dude wipes or baby wipes um not just for going to the bathroom but cleaning up yourself after you go to elk or whatever exactly also gut and gloves if you can get them. absolutely a pair of gut and gloves and latex gloves Mm -hmm. put your gut and gloves on then put the latex gloves on top of that that way your hands are tight and a lot of those gut and gloves kind of baggy on your fingers yeah. and whatnot. They'll tear up fast. Yeah. And honestly, you know, I know some guys, it's like a thing that they'll do. They're like, I don't need no gut and gloves. And, you know, if you don't you want do. to use, if you don't want to use them, whatever. But honestly, you know, after a while, if you do it barehanded, which I've done that before, too, your hands get so much stuff on them. You can't work as well. Yeah. You know, I, I honestly can. I just do better when I got the gloves on. I can yeah, work faster. You're working on an animal and you get done wanting to sit down and drink water for a minute. Take the gloves off and your hands are clean. Exactly. Yeah. Good gloves always. Um, are we leaving anything out? I feel like we've covered most of it as far as packs. I've got a little pullover in there. Like a little, a, a little fleece pullover. Like a pullover jet. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just a little one. Just something that that's going to keep you a little bit warmer if you need to. Yeah. Rain jacket. Yeah, that's what mine is. Yeah. It's a rain jacket slash little right. pullover deal. Right, yeah, which we always have trash bags too, but that's probably specific to us because that's for like a camera cover if it yeah. starts raining, yeah. which a lot of people carry GoPros and stuff these days, which those are waterproof. But if you're carrying a handy cam or something, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people trying to film their hunts might want to carry something you can cover it up with real quick if it starts to rain. Yeah, and those backpacks come with a rain cover too. Yeah, the camelbacks is... too, which are great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those those things have like a 100 different cool features. Um might be about covered it for packs if i can think of anything i'm else. sure we're forgetting something i mean i keep my bugle in mind too there is while we're sitting there rattling off through this on the primo's website right now there's the um ultimate hunt checklist ultimate, for elk. ultimate elk hunt checklist for gun and bow and we all went through that list and fine tooth combed it and put on there exactly what we thought you should need to go elk yeah. hunting. so if you're listening to this which obviously if you just heard me say that you are listening to this so <laughs> it's a little redundant but um so yeah uh, hopefully you'll get some out of this conversation but it would also be a good idea for you it's, it's easy to get to primos.com and uh go over the the ultimate elk hunt checklist like i said it's a guide for bow hunting and gun hunting yeah both we shot two different videos for it that's a pretty cool deal you yeah. know i just didn't throw it together we yeah. went through it good wilbur talking about what he takes bow hunting and then jimmy talking about what he takes gun hunting and it, like i said it is it's very in-depth it's not generalized at all mm-hmm. like it's specific what we take and why we take it and the bow vest yeah bow vest let's go to that and makes yeah. it makes this the it's the obvious progression move from the pack to the bow yeah. vest for one like some people don't wear a vest it, again i couldn't go without it no not after you if once you get used to wearing one it's a, yes it's a little bit hotter but i mean once you get used to wearing one yeah i mean you can't go without it it's it's not hot enough to ever make me consider not using it. no absolutely but i'm just throwing yeah. it out there yeah you know? um just because like what i carry in my bow vest is what 
like the essentials I need for the hunt. Yeah. Close to me where I can get to it really quick. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it's 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 it, your go stuff. It's this is what I need right now. It takes now. time to get stuff out of your backpack and that else coming. You don't need to be fumbling around getting stuff out of your backpack. Yeah. When he starts his move, you want to be able to throw that backpack on the ground yeah. and get ready. There's so much elk hunting that's just it's like stage and stage and staging and then when it starts happening you need to be able to go yeah so when that moment starts happening you don't need to be fumbling through your pack that's why you put your your essentials for that in your bow vest mm-hmm. um obviously a range finder is is huge yeah um i keep one of those i think it's in my it's in my top right pocket and say i'm different it's in my middle pocket that's where i can get to it the fastest top, which one's this one right here top that's, middle pocket yeah top right that's where i keep my wind checkers right here in the very mm-hmm. top one mm-hmm. yeah and i have it strung up with that little d loop so it's impossible for me to drop it and lose it yeah and also i can like kind of leave it there hanging if i need to pick it back up real quick you know yeah i mean that elk gets there at 60 70 yards and you can range a spot you can just drop it and leave it hang yeah and shoot you know you yeah. gotta worry about sticking it back in a pocket yeah range finder is a huge one in there um you're i, I keep a release in there um if you don't have a wrist strap one, if you have like a thumb release or something, you can keep your release uh, release in there and zip it up so it's not going to fall out. Yeah, I've got one in my bow vest and one in my pack. Mm-hmm. It's one thing we forgot to say was mm-hmm. in our pack. I can always carry two. Yeah. I, this is my first elk hunt, but I've always even carried a release with me when I'm filming. In case somebody lost theirs. You never know. Yeah, you it's never always know. a good idea. Even if you're not planning on shooting an elk, carry one with you if you're with somebody that is. Yeah, very good point. Um let me think like i know we said limb clippers in your pack and i do but i also have limb clippers in my bow vest mm-hmm. i guess if they're back small, up here small ones yeah small ones um i keep a, a lens cloth for my binos yeah um and for my rangefinder. uh what else do i got in there i usually keep peppermints or something like that in one of the pockets because believe it or not when you're walking and you got a peppermint in your mouth you don't get so cotton. dry mouth yeah it yeah. helps so much yeah and uh, let's see what else I got in there. I always have, like, batteries and stuff. That's for camera running. Yeah, well, I'm trying to think of it, like, hunt, <laughs> yeah. hunt the stuff I used yeah, to hunt. Yeah, we're not carrying cameras. We usually got camera batteries and all kinds of stuff everywhere else, and then plus our hunting stuff. But. Yeah. Um, I always have, like, again, I always have in that, like, side pocket right there, I always have my hoochie mama stuck down in there. Yeah, we got them both tied on the loops on both sides. Yeah. Um, I have... Uh, some mouth calls in there that i can access really quickly yep. and then like my like i have a i guess it's technically a lanyard but it's not like a big old duck lanyard i have like a small lanyard that has a hyper lip single on it and uh i make it a bull crazy close range mm-hmm. and it's small enough i can just shove it in one of those pockets because i don't want to be walking around with it hanging around my neck but when you know time to start calling or whatever you can just pull it out real quick it's like the first time we went hunting with ben i didn't know you were going to talk about that <laughs> but we can't <laughs> we can i'm not against it oh gosh we were in uh new mexico fence lake new mexico yeah first time i ever met ben really hey man i just started first time i've been around him at any time and granted ben was very new to the elk hunting game too yeah and uh first afternoon he pulls out this lanyard got like 10 elk calls jingling and on i'm it. talking a lanyard a duck, duck lanyard. braided paracord lanyard with <laughs> rings on it and clinkers and it, it seriously had like a dozen elk calls hanging from it sounded like one of santa claus's reindeer when he walked. <laughs> i remember because i saw that and i was like what is he doing with that 
So, I mean, if you're good with it, do it, but whatever. <laughs> we didn't give him any heck about it. Did None, we? not at all. Not at all. We still don't bring it up four years later. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, man, you got your duck lanyard, elk lanyard? I'm sorry. Yeah, but I'm right there <laughs> with you. I carry a hyperlip single. That's the only really reed call. I use a hyperlip single. I just love it. It's so mm -hmm. easy to blow. I use the primarily the hyperlip single. Um, I like it a lot because it has that converter on there. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I like the Make It A Bull Crazy, the close range one. I have a long range one, but I don't keep that in my vest. Yeah, I keep that where I on a on an outer pocket of my pack because usually when I'm I'm calling, I can either get loud if I want to with the hyperlip. Mm -hmm. But that the I Make It A Bull Crazy, it has that that flexible uh, material on the barrel. You can just like the old rubberneck right. duck call. Mm -hmm. You can just, I don't know, it has so much play in it, I can make all the different sounds I want to. Um, so I carry a screw-in hook with me. Yep. Uh, whether just to hang my backpack up when we're sitting down eating lunch or hang my bow up, I guess, if mm -hmm. I, it's the first time toting a bow, but I'm a, I always carry a screw-in T-hook with me. Mm -hmm. You know, they use, you can use them for a lot of different things, even hanging meat bags up, you know. Yeah, not a, bad, not a bad idea. That's, a, that's one of those things that you don't think about, but when you have it, you're like, man, it sure is nice that we have this thing. Yeah, once you get your quarters in a meat bag or whatever, we always hang them up just so it don't have to risk getting dirt or whatever on them. Just thought of something, too. Paracord. Yeah, paracord. We use paracord for a ton of different things. One of those things being, uh, for when we get them in meat bags, a lot of times we'll use that to hang them from a tree. Because mm -hmm. you want to get it off the ground if you can. It helps it cool air, it and keep it out. not as dirty, air out, all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, and a lot, of, like if you're hunting public land, you have a pretty good chance that you'll have to leave some hanging in a tree for a while. Yep. You know, So paracord is, is really nice for that. So I've always got a lighter in my bow vest, too, mm -hmm. just for whatever reason, burning paracord. Mm -hmm. Get cold, start a fire. I guess you make. I mean, like, there's stuff that can happen out but, there. I mean, we we've used a lighter before. Yeah, we yeah. have. Yeah, uh -huh. I do. Uh, man, I keep forgetting stuff in my backpack, but I have got an emergency bow to like setting up. You kit. do. You've you've had to use it. Yeah, I'm glad. That's a very good point. Um, I've got five or six different uh, broadheads in there. Not different ones, but five or six broadheads in there. Uh, enough strength, uh, D-loop material to put four or five D-loops on if we need to. A pair of tweezers, uh, some serving, an extra peep sight. Mm -hmm. What else I got in there? I got some knocks, you know, just regular knocks, some practice heads. Yeah, I was about to, you got field tips in there too because if, like, say, instance, your D-loop messes up, you got to retie D-loop. Well, then you can put a field tip on your arrow Exciting. and you can find something to shoot. I got you know. a pair of Allen wrenches in it. This is a little bitty box, but I've got everything in there. You need to emergency set up a bow. It's just like a little bitty tackle box, isn't it? Yeah, small. It's like two inches by three inches but, and about yeah, an inch deep. Yeah. That thing can save you mm -hmm. if you're, you know, deep in the woods and, you you know, or something goes wrong with your bow. Yep. Well, what do you do? You know, that thing is... is is very valuable to have and mm -hmm. another thing y'all bear with us because like I said, i'm trying very hard to stay on point but like i just remember it like in my pack i keep a little first aid kit yeah in there in case you get a, a blister or a cut on your hand or, or something it's a lot of stuff to take it is but like i said elk hunting is it it's it's on up there like it i mean i'm not gonna say it's i mean it's an extreme hunt it is call i mean call yeah. it what it is it's uh so i mean yeah the, the first aid kit for you know, in case you get a cut, I mean, like there's some neosporin in there, some gauze pads. Stuff can happen out there. 
Once again, just revert back to the list we made yeah. <laughs> on the website. Uh, yeah, yeah, because there's, I mean, we'll probably get to this episode and still have forgotten something. Oh, yeah. But go to that checklist because we all, all six of us looked over that thing mm-hmm. for sure. Hmm. Okay. So, bow vest, release, range finder. I've got gloves in it. Gloves. Yeah. Little thicker pair, little cotton pair, and a thin pair. Right. I don't um, have any real thick stuff because I had never needed it. Right. Yeah, me either. Um, uh, little beanie in there too. We got inside pockets on the bow vest. That's mm-hmm. where we're at right now. You mm-hmm. unzip it, and they're on the inside next to your torso. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I think that about covers what I got in my bow vest. I believe. And wind checkers. Wind checker. Yes, I keep that you right there up top. That, but yeah. that's there's. Uh, I would carry one in my bow vest and one in my backpack. I would ca- you use them very often. I would carry them enough where you're not going to run out. Yeah. Because wind. Wind is as important for elk hunting as it is in whitetail hunting, if not more. Yeah. It's, it's right up there. Yeah, no doubt. So, so wind when checker. You, uh, you, uh, an elk winds you, they're running for miles. Yeah, you ain't, probably ain't getting him back. <laughs> um, let's, go, let's go into calls. I, said, I know we kind of touched on that already. Um, but uh, like I said, obviously, you're going to be wanting to make some cow sounds and some bull sounds. Yeah. Um, like and you, you kind of went over the ones you carry. I kind of went over the ones that I carry as far as read call goes. Um, as far as mouth calls, uh, top pin. Top pin's my favorite. Yep. Um, but again, it's, mouth mouth calls to elk are about the same as mouth calls for turkey. Everyone blows one a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So that's just what works best for me. Yeah, that's that's I'm the same way. I've tried every one of them, and I can make elk noises on all of them. But that's the one that comes out the easiest and the clearest for me. Yeah. And, and, well, that's for, for cow noises. I, if I want to bugle on a mouth call instead of, uh, which I usually, like 95% of the time, I'm just using the blue yeah, that we have I, in our bugles. I suck trying to bugle. <laughs> I have not fa- mastered that one yet. Well, that's what the blue reeds are for. Yeah. Um, which, if y'all don't know, every Primo's bugle that is made right now mm-hmm. has uh, the blue reed system. Yeah. So It's um, a molded you know it's a molded top to our bugle right that's got a blue reed on it that's why it's called the blue reed system but it's uh molded where you just throw your lips on it and push air through it and it makes a noise it's it's very easy to to figure out and uh every one of those when you get one inside the cap when you pop the cap open inside there you have some extra reads yeah and if you're curious about it we've got so many youtube videos on. yeah it. seriously go to the primo's youtube channel uh in playlist there's one called how to elk hunt that's where where all that stuff mm-hmm. is um and in the the product videos when he when wilbur's going over the different elk bugles um but they're also made like where you can pop that blue read off and bugle with a mouth yeah. call if you want to like i said i cow call best on the top pin but the the money maker is what i bugle best on and you can pop that blue reed off too and make cow muse through the bugle to get that extra distance for sure for sure yeah like I said, it, it's uh elk calling is is obviously it's a big part of of the whole thing um and so you want to make sure you got something that you're confident in like i said everyone's going to have something that works best for them like miss mary primos i don't know how many bull elk she's called in for wilbur over the years but like that cowgirl call yeah she loves it see wilbur still i remember when we shot the video where he was talking about that call he went inside the house and got hers her cowgirl call that she uses and it had it had lipstick stains on, on mm-hmm. it where she could from her using it so many times over the years what she always say she knows how the women talk <laughs> she, she goes i know how they think 
I ain't arguing with her. She's caught in a pile of them. Mm -hmm. I've seen her do it. (laughs) Yeah, she knows the game. Um, So, yeah, elk calling is is calls that you're just comfortable with. You want to take time to figure that out. Uh, Bugles, I personally, I use the bullet bugle more than any of them. Yeah, it's so compact. You throw it in your pack or just throw it on that lanyard around your neck, and it doesn't get in the way. Mm -hmm. Terminator is awesome, too, because it folds up. It is. That's why I like the bullet bugle so much, just for what you just said. I can get all the sounds I want out of it, mm-hmm. uh, and it's not huge. Yeah. I, I, again, that's a preference thing. Some people like those huge barreled bugle tubes. If that's what you like, we have those too. Mm-hmm. I, I just like the bugle tube because it's so small. I'm a, I'm a minimalist, I it's, guess. It's worked a lot of times too, buddy. Yes, it has. Golly. Very much so. I wish I had a number on how many elk we've called up with that little bullet bugle. Ain't no telling. I mean, it's... 40 50 60 since i've been here probably a lot (laughs) a lot it works hey guys while we're talking about elk calls i gotta take a second to tell you all about the sale going on at primos.com right now through wednesday august 21st you can get 15 percent off all elk calls so head to primos.com and check that out so that's that's calls um let's go into this is let's go into bow setups Mm -hmm. specifically because that's a big part of it and I've changed mine up a little bit this year just for this reason. Yep. Yep. Um, so, both setups, both me and you were shooting uh, Matthew's Burdicks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got 29 and a half inch draw, 70 pound bow. Is that right? set to 70 pounds. I'm shooting um, gold tip kinetic Pierce Platinums, mm-hmm. 300 spine. Um, I could shoot that, that. That's another thing that we can get on. Like you, you shoot uh, two fifty spines. Yep, they're a little bit stiffer. Mm-hmm. Just for the reason that I want as much kinetic. I don't guess it's actually kinetic energy hitting them, but I want the most force. Yeah, I want. I, I'm I'm a big believer. I mean, obviously, I, I mean I like speed, but I will never put speed over. No, I, I want a big heavy air. I want to blow through that elk. I've never ever been worried about trying to hit 330 feet a second. Yeah, because it really doesn't make that much difference. No, I was. T- it's when I had like I had T-bone on here. I can't remember the exact speed, but he was talking. You know, like because I've dude, heard that dude's got it figured out. He knows. <laughs> like he's he's fooled with bows for a long time, and he was telling me, you know, because I've heard some people, you know, like they'll shoot their bow through a, a chronograph, and it'll be like. 302 you know and they're like man i want to get it up to 320 i'm like you're not even going to see any distance any change in your pins until like i think it's like past 60 yards or something like that so i I don't put as much emphasis on that i want i want a big heavy arrow that i can get i don't want a big yeah i want a little heavy yeah yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, that's why i shoot to get good point big's probably a miss a misstatement but that's why i like those pierces and like 300 spine my arrows are not quite as heavy as yours but they're like i could shoot a 340 spine i could shoot a 400 spine yeah according to what you can shoot out of your bow with uh the draw length and weight you're pulling i think the recommended 340 right and and i could shoot 340 and probably honestly because like with the 300 spines i'm shooting like I think like 306 or something like that and if people don't know what we're talking about the numbers on these spines the higher the number they go the more flex you have in the spine mm-hmm. it's not necessarily weight but it's the more flex in the spine right because our kinetic chaos is uh 400 in those way more than my arrows correct but they're a lot more flexible right so i want a stiff 
heavy air. Right. That's why I'm shooting a 250 spine. It's the stiffest spined air that we make in the Pierce. Right. Um, but yeah, I put a, I put a lot of emphasis on that just cause I mean, think about it, man. It's the same, same, I guess, you know, like we were talking about boots, you don't want to fudge on that. You yeah. Know, you don't want to fudge on your bow setup because more than likely mm-hmm. you get one shot. Yep. And it's everybody's different setup too. It, this may not work for a guy yeah, with a twenty-seven inch draw. That's just what works for me. Yeah. Um, a, a thing that you can do, I, like honestly, there's so many resources out there these days. If if you don't have, you know, a a draw length and a you know a seventy pound, but if you don't have the exact same setup that we're talking about, you can probably go talk to a someone who's been before, someone at Archery Pro Shop that knows what they're talking about, say, hey, I got this, I'm going elk hunting, what do I need to do? And mm-hmm. they can probably steer you in the right direction. And you go to Gold Tips, web, our YouTube page, Tim Gillingham. Yeah. He's got so many. And that dude, he's above my head when he gets to talking, but he's so, like, precise on what he's talking about. You right. learn a lot from watching those videos. Correct. Correct. For yeah. era setup. That dude's he knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And so there's so many resources out there these days, but the main point is – like get your bow to a setup that you're comfortable with. Yeah. And then this seems like an obvious one, but practice. Yeah. I mean, going to my setup, like we touched on speed and all that. To to clear it up, I want the hardest hitting arrow I can get out mm-hmm. of my setup. Right. You're talking about shooting a eight hundred pound animal, seven eight hundred pounds. Yep. Nine hundred pounds sometimes. Big old animal. Yeah. And you bow hunt enough, you're going to mess up. Yeah. And I want to set up, if I do mess up and center a rib or do catch a side of that shoulder blade, that it's going to go through. I'm not going to go through the shoulder on the elk, even with my setup. No. It's, it's just, if you hit that shoulder, you're done. Unless yeah. you just hit it just right. Yeah. But I want that setup where I know I'm going to get penetration. Yeah. It's the same setup I use for shooting deer, but I upped the poundage this year. I've yeah. been shooting like 65 pounds for deer just because I don't need to shoot 70. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. that That's a good point, too. If if you just get get something you're comfortable with, that'll get the job done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, pra- practice a lot, mm-hmm. you know, because like I said, I, I remember um, there's some tips that I've gotten over the years as far as just practicing with your bow. Uh, for a while there, I was just, I'd made a decision that I wasn't going to shoot past 40, you know, because I didn't know how I was going to react. First time elk coming in, I didn't know if I was yeah. just going to lose all composure. A lot of times, man, out there out west, if you're in like somewhere open, you could have shots a lot past 40. Oh, yeah. So Very easy. But I just made a personal decision. I was like, you know what, being my first one, you know, I know my abilities. I just don't want to push past 40. So and if you're hunting public land, you may only have one shot. Correct. So you need to practice, 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 and be comfortable. Comfortable. You may not ever shoot one at 80, 90 yards, but be comfortable shooting that far. Yeah, that was my that was my point. Levi's the one that told me that. Mm-hmm. Levi Morgan. He knows a little bit about bows. Not a whole lot. But a little bit. He's learning. He's learning. Yeah. I've helped him out some over the years. Yeah, he uh, still asks me tips and stuff yeah. all the time. I'm like, man, Levi, you got to figure this out for yourself. He was telling me one something the other day. I'd be a son, something I, I'd never heard of. It sounded like, I was like, oh, cool. I wonder if they gave him a little trophy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. But, uh, no, Levi, seriously, he's a wealth of information. Mm-hmm. And he was like, man, even if you are going to shoot 40 and in, which, and honestly, this year I probably put the same standard on myself just because yeah. – you know, like I, I don't want to make 
I want to make the best shot I can make. But again, going Levi said, if you say, even if you're not going to shoot past 30 yards, practice at 60, 50, 60, 70, yeah. 80, just because if you can if you can get consistent and shoot good groups at 80 yards, 70 yards, 60 yards, it gets so much easier when you come back to 40, 30, 20. Oh, you know, yeah, no doubt. It it makes you better. And another thing I've done in my setup this year is I've took a lot of weight off of it just for the purpose of toting it. As far as what? My stabilizer weight. Okay. Everything, pretty much. I've slimmed my setup down from what I'd had for whitetail hunting. Gotcha. I mean, I've took probably a pound and a half of weights off. Okay. That's one thing I've done. I've changed stabilizers from going from an extreme hunter, you know, front bar and back bar. Right. I've got the, what's it called? The slide bars. Counter slide. Counter slide. D-stinger. Yep. And that thing's cool. Yeah. Because it's one stabilizer. It serves the purpose of two. Yep. And you can slide it front or back to get the balance you need, but you've still only got one stabilizer that weighs half of what I had. Right. So that's yeah. that's helping me so far. Yeah. I see your point on that. Yeah. You know, take, you know, because, again, you're hiking a lot. Mm-hmm. And i mean this stuff adds up in weight a pound and a half might not seem like much but in elk hunting when you're toting all that stuff it those little pounds they add up mm-hmm. yeah for sure um broadheads that's a that's the million dollar question that's probably what you get more than anything what broadhead you shoot rage plus p rage hypodermic I've plus p never shot elk with a bow but i've seen a pile of them so far um and everyone i've seen shot in the right spot with a plus p has failed pretty dang quick within a hundred yeah I've, the only ones i've seen go past a hundred yards one we've found them unless unless they got shot in the shoulder you yeah know? i mean that happens that's bow hunting you, if you're not if you don't hit them in the right spot they're not going to die. right so but a, a a rage hypodermic plus p that's a inch and a half cut yeah it's small enough to st- the whole purpose of shooting a plus p is that it's an inch and a half diameter a lot of people think you got to have these big cutting broadheads, which is they're great on deer. Mm-hmm. But you think about a rib on a on an elk as big as a deer's leg bone. Right. I mean they're big, and that plus P is small enough where it slides right in between them. Right. So uh, yeah, I, I shoot those. I have. I mean, I'm, there's a lot of good broadheads out there. Yeah. I'm just speaking to what I know. I have a hundred percent confidence in a rage hypodermic plus P. No doubt. And you, that's a lot of how you. And that's not a sponsored plug. No, it's not. It's a. <laughs> We're not sponsored by. Them. It's a, a. A lot of how you perform, for me at least, is how much confidence you have in what you got. Yeah. So I I, I want to be where I'm completely confident in my bow setup in the area I'm using. And I want to be completely confident in my broadhead, and I want to have practiced enough that I'm completely confident in yeah. what I can do. And a lot of people don't think with a that expandable slide broadhead, slide opening broadhead, whatever it's called. I don't know all these scientific terms for them, but a rage. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't think you can get a pass through with them. Mm-mm. They think it's impossible. It's not. It's all about bow setup. Yeah. I mean, if you're shooting a toothpick at them, you're not going to get a pass through. Yeah. This is, I mean, like, this is not me being braggadocious at all. This is just, I, I, I talked to eno- enough people and learned the bow setup i needed yeah arrowed everything everything mm-hmm. and when i shot that elk two years ago with with my bow blew through him and it was stuck in the ground halfway up the shaft on on yeah. the uh, you know blew through him like hot butter mm-hmm. that's what you want i mean obviously you can kill him without a pass through like if you shoot one quarter and away and it buries in his offside shoulder 
you still done the thing. But I want as much penetration as I can get. Yeah, the thing I've learned deer hunting, if you got two holes, they leak out a lot faster than you get one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you can you can absolutely get a pass through with a rage. Yeah. That's I, I've seen it yeah, firsthand yeah, a bunch of times. And I've seen it more with just mine. I've seen it done. Yeah. So. Um, but that's and, that's what I'm shooting. You know, there's a lot of a lot of folks that are you know they don't believe in expandables they want a fixed blade with an elk you know if if that's your thing whatever if you're, I guess, if you're confident in it do it yeah like i said i'm not i'm just telling you what i'm confident in mm-hmm. like I said, and I, I know what a rage can do and i also know that thing shoots exactly like my field points yeah exactly so yep. i have nothing to worry about i don't have to practice all summer with my field points and go okay i gotta readjust now because i'm shooting my broadheads nope yep. nothing changes everything's the same and that's invaluable no doubt. Um, so let's go. I think we've covered all the gear. One, I get one thing we hadn't mentioned is binos. Obviously, you need good binos. Yeah, I uh, like small binos. Yeah, eight powers. Yeah, they just way less. Again, weight. Um, so let's go into the hunt itself. Mm-hmm. Like so, that's as far as like preparation goes. Like the actual hunt. Um, I think I like the first thing because I'm just looking at the notes I put up here is uh expectations you know what what to expect when you go out there and and how to react to it um and i say that and i know i've probably mentioned this briefly on here before but i know a common mistake that i hear all the time primo's takeout has changed the way that we hunt from minerals to feed to the seed that we plant our food plots with it has been incredible head on over to primos.com now to check it out and receive free shipping on orders at 75 dollars and more Especially for someone who's going out there for the first time, you show up out there and you just, whether you just don't know any better or you've just seen enough elk TV episodes, you just kind of expect when you get there the elk to be just full-blown rutting. Yeah. Just going crazy, bugling, running into cow calls. Yeah, and I mean, if you're going on a, a guided hunt with an outfitter or whatever, they should have tabs on where the elk are and what they're doing and know how to hunt them, you know. Mm-hmm. But we're speaking just like the average Joe. We're, I mean, we don't have guides on the place we hunt. Mm-mm. We go out there not being there all summer, just having to find them. Yep. And that's a lot. I mean, a lot of people don't realize that's what we do. Correct. I mean. And we, uh, you, you kind of have to, it's best practice I've learned to go out there and take the time to gauge where the elk are at. I mean, best case scenario, you won't. If I was going on a hunt and by myself and public land, southern Colorado or New Mexico, I want 10 days at least. Yeah. Because it's not, I mean, it can't happen on the first day, but more than likely you got to figure out where they're at and how to hunt them before mm-hmm. you can actually hunt them. Yeah. And that's a, you have to figure out where they're at. And then, like you said, I, I would take, I would want that long of a time span if not longer, I would take as long as I could get. Yeah. I mean, if I could take off work a month and stay out there with no repercussions for being gone, you know, mm-hmm. I would. Mm-hmm. It, I'd take every day you can to be in the woods, even if you're not hunting them. Because this walks right hand in hand with, with going out there and not figuring out where they are, is you need to take a day, two, maybe three, just scout. Yeah, and figure out because a lot, man, a lot of these areas, even in the big timbered mountains of Colorado, you can get on one side of the ridges and see all the way across and see down in the timber where the elk are. Mm-hmm. Just about getting in that right spot where you can watch. And again, it's it's a thing 
I hear it all the time. You show up there and they, they don't want to waste time scouting. This is their one chance. The first time they've been able to do it, they don't know if they'll get the chance again, so they yeah. just want to go. I mean, you may walk up there to go scouting one afternoon and there's a bull in the perfect spot to hunt, and there it is, you know, but you wouldn't have knew, knew that if you hadn't walked up there going to scout. Mm-hmm. And, like, by, by all means, like, take your bow. Oh, yeah. But – if you're in a spot where there's a lot of open ground, get to a good glassing spot. Glass. Yeah. Figure it out. For, for instance, two years ago, this was the year you were bow hunting. Mm-hmm. Me and you drove out there two days before everybody else because Will and Brad and Troy, they were all in Montana. Montana. Yep. So we drove out there. We were bored here anyway. Done got done planting food plots and uh-huh. we're like, we got to go. So we drove out there and spent two solid days. We could have been hunting. The season was open. Yeah. And we spent two solid days figuring out where all the elk were because we had four tags that year mm-hmm. for bow hunters. And we had to figure out where enough elk were, just not for one, but for four people to right. hunt. And through doing that, that was able to, when everyone got there and we started hunting, we were in the game immediately. Yep, we need to go here, here, here. Yeah. And three days later, we because, were done. Because it's it's an, it's an oddity, man. Usually, like I said, there, there's a couple of key places where they usually hang out. But the one spot where there's usually the highest concentration of elk, they weren't there that year. Yeah. There was some elk there, but that's not where the most of them were. The big majority was over there by the Espia. Mm-hmm. And if we wouldn't have had those two days to find them, we would have spent another two days when we were supposed to be trying to hunt, trying to find them. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a good tip. Like I said, I know when you get out there, you're ready to go, go, go. But take the time yeah to figure it out not just in not just in where the elk are but don't start out just blowing through the woods blowing the reed out your calls yeah i mean if you are in an area where you can watch them you can figure out what the rut's doing mm-hmm. if For you're sure. seeing a bunch of cows by themselves and bulls by themselves it's not happening because especially like if uh you know if you break day or whatever it, they kind of act a lot like turkeys do yeah you know the, if if it's early you know so you'll in the morning you'll hear some bugling and then it kind of cuts off yeah. then you you know like all right it's it's not they're kind of there they're getting there but you know it's it again relating it to turkeys but like you it's know when it's full blown February turkey gobble. yeah when it's full blown that bugling doesn't stop you know <laughs> they're out they're out all day bugling you know doing the rut thing so that's something to pay attention to and our usual practice even on places like this place that we've hunted for years, we kind of know the timing when to be out there, mm-hmm. but we still approach it from a calling standpoint with caution. Mm-hmm. We don't just go out there just crazy aggressive. Speaking on this, let's talk on dates because a lot of people, I thought it before I started really learning how to elk hunt. First week of September is like the peak ruts, what I've always kind of watched uh-huh. on tv and kind of picked up it's like you soon as september happens the elk are going nuts yep that's not the case not by any means yeah i mean that on the place we're hunting this third week of september is when it's right yeah and you go out there september the 5th you may not see any rutting activity mm-hmm. the same way goes anywhere seems like i mean southern colorado at the place y'all have hunted so much it's the same way y'all went too early last year yeah and i mean it it was starting but it wasn't full bore like we'd seen it in the past Mm -hmm. so yeah i can't put enough emphasis on that and again i I can't speak to everywhere a lot of that may be region specific there may be some places where they are going full bore the first september i don't know but 
Based off where we've hunted. Based off where we've hunted. But your best practice is going to go in there and just take caution and figure it out. That's going to put you in a much better spot to kill an elk if you just take the time to figure that stuff out first and it progresses so fast in elk the rut it does i mean you may if you've got 10 days or two weeks to hunt it may not it may not be till the last three days you hunt when they're going nuts yeah you know it happens it's like a light switch man so don't give up yeah we've seen it before we've seen it before at the place in new mexico we've seen it where the rut i mean they're rutting but it's not full crazy and then we come in there the next day Mm -hmm. and it's they're going nuts that happened last year it did it no it, ta- it takes a day yeah you just got to be there when it happens and lord willing everyone that listens to this that goes elk hunting that happens to them i hope it does mm-hmm. but on the off chance that it doesn't you gotta you gotta play your cards right yeah you know you got you got you can't make an elk be in rut you know yep. you got to hunt him at the stage that he's in yeah and you go out there and they're not doing what you expect adapt yeah adapt i mean they one thing's about an elk that I do know is a fact: they have to have water. Mm-hmm. Them suckers drink a lot too. Mm-hmm. They visit water holes, especially if you're in like New Mexico where we hunt, where it only rains, you know, 25 inches a year or whatever it right. is. They uh they use those water holes a lot. Yeah, they have to. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's that's one thing you can start with. Google Earth, find your water holes. Yeah, that's the spot to start looking for elk sign. Yeah, for sure. Um, one thing. Like, I know primarily on here, like, I'm having, um, we're going to, in, in a few episodes from now, I don't know exactly when it's going to be, we're going to do one specifically on, like, uh, not, but we're going to talk a lot about solo elk hunting. Mm-hmm. That's a different animal, uh, all on its own. Not like a different animal, it's still an elk, but it's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, we do, we hunt in groups. Yeah. So, and, and a lot of people do that. They go out with their, I don't know, there's a lot more people that go with, either them and a buddy or them and two or three other people then just go out by themselves yeah. if i mean and that's the thing that you can do if that's your thing you know hang on a few more episodes we'll talk about that more and just my opinion if you and a buddy both draw tags i would highly recommend y'all take turns shooting exactly you got a caller and a shooter at all times because mm-hmm. calling behind the hunter makes 100 percent difference seems like yeah we're on the same wavelength because that's right where i was about yeah. to go to um, if you watch the show on Outdoor Channel or if you watch the episodes on YouTube, you've heard us say that a thousand times. But Yeah, I mean, we've had times in New Mexico where we've had two or three guys sitting at the camp, or one guy sitting at the camp, I should say, because he doesn't have a caller. Right. And there's no sense, you know, or two guys because it would be a camera guy and a hunter. Right. And we just know how much better it works having a caller. Yeah, it works. It's 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 night and day. Mm-hmm. So uh, and that's that's a rolls right into that thing with like common mistakes or, or common ways you kind of put yourself at a disadvantage. I know if you both have tags, both that both everybody wants to hunt. I get that. Yeah. But I think you increase your odds by so much if you put a shooter and a caller mm-hmm. i don't say i don't think i know because i've seen it yeah i've seen how well it works just getting a shot off yeah just getting a shot so and you uh, can call a elk up no problem with by being by yourself but trying to get him broadside at 30 yards is a whole different ball game correct correct so when you have a caller dropping usually 70 to 100 yards back even further than that if you need to yeah it just makes it that much better that elk's going to them and that allows him to come by you at broadside. Yeah, and and this the kind of the how we set it up 
can, I guess, be kind of hard to picture uh, just listening to us talk audio-wise. But, again, Primo's YouTube channel, that how-to playlist, there's a, a video where Wilbur is explaining the, the, the whole process of a drop-back caller and how well it works and yeah. all the different facets of it. Those videos have helped me. When we were videoing them, they were helping me. Yeah. My, you know? my, my buddy, uh, Corey, that's going on his first elk hunt this year, He's I, he's like where can I go? I direct him that YouTube channel mm-hmm. that that that, the, that playlist and he's been watching it. It's it's not it's not a bunch of fluff. I mean it's what you need. It's, it's what we do. It's what again. How long has Wilbur been elk hunting? Wilbur and Brad. Longer than I've been alive. He knows. <laughs> he knows what to do and like that. He's who I learned from. You know. So he there's a lot of good information there. Um, so yeah, the calling obviously is a huge aspect. Um, let's talk about that's that you know I th- we've leaned a lot real heavy on just like the things that you need to get the job done. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking back at a first elk hunt, or you know maybe you're still new to it, but you haven't got a chance to to kill one yet, or even get a shot at one yet. Uh, there's a lot for me and we talked about this before we started recording there's a lot of mental preparation no doubt i don't care if that sounds goofy it's it's for for real i've been uh every time i start thinking about going hunting this year the first thing that comes to my mind is don't screw it up (laughs) don't make a bad shot yeah and i haven't shot yet you know i hadn't shot the animal but mm-hmm. in my mind, I feel like I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very possible it could happen. Yeah. But I've just been preaching to myself. I've got to take my time. Don't rush a shot. Just make sure you shoot that animal just like you do at the range. Yeah. Don't take a shot at a bad angle. Yeah. Don't do it. It's very risky in elk. Don't do it. It's risky at anything, but elk more so even even if like beside you know like the point of you wanting to kill an elk it's it's the game that we play the sport that we do hunting however you want to whatever however you want to articulate it i think brad said it before i believe it 100 percent. you owe it to the animal you're pursuing yeah to make the best shot possible no one if i were to shoot an elk a turkey a deer whatever shoot i don't want to shoot it bad yeah. I want to make the most ethical, best place shot I can, kill him quickly. It makes the whole process easier. And so a lot of that happens, honestly, with all the practice and all the stuff we told you before, but a lot, I, I lean a lot on good, just mental preparation. Yeah. Same, I mean, turkeys even, you know? Yeah. Just, yeah. I lean a lot on good, on mental preparation. Honestly, because again, I was thinking, I remember when I was getting ready. One, I was I was shooting a lot. I think come like June or July, I was at least shooting every day. Yeah. And then when uh, like around mid-August, I was shooting twice a day, every morning and every afternoon. Yeah. Just because I wanted, like I said, I, I wanted to. When you when you shoot that much, uh, it's all muscle memory. Exactly. You know, a, a lot of people say, you know, because like, man, when I'm when all that's happening, you're not thinking about draw cycle anchor this that the other. I'm like, no, you're not. But you get to the point where you practice so much where you do it without thinking about it. It's no different than playing baseball. These guys that are major league baseball players that can hit all these home runs and everything, you take them out of that game and don't let them swing a bat for a year, Yeah, 
they're not going to do that as soon as they first go right back to it. Correct. Yeah, there's got to be like practice involved. And so I, I tie that in the practice with mental preparation because you practice so much where you don't have to think about it yeah. and you're confident in what you can do. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've shot so much where my my muscles have the memory. When I draw back now and actually look at my peep, it's sitting on where I want to shoot. Right. Just from the muscle memory. Right. Not in any skill I have. It's just from muscles just, getting so used to doing just it. Just from repetition. Yeah. Um, I know a thing that I did because I was thinking, I was like, man, I've bow hunted whitetails. You know, I've done that for years. And I, and I know what that sensation is like when I see a, a buck coming in, you mm-hmm. know. And so I kind of know how to deal with that because I've done it before. But I was like, man, I, I was having all these, like, thoughts go through my head. I was like, what if, like, the moment of truth happening, the elk coming in, and I just fall apart? Yeah. You know, I mean, just stuff like that just rolling through my head. I was like, I don't want to just, like, freak out and shoot five foot over the elk. You know? You, you, what do you, you know? Or shoot him in the gut. Shoot him in the gut. Shoot That's him in the shoulder. Worse. Yeah. I'd much rather just shoot one in the top of the horns than I had in the guts. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and so – I just started thinking about, you know, how, you know, things I could do to to alleviate that or things I could do to make sure that that didn't happen, yeah. you know. Uh, and one thing that I did, albeit goofy or whatever, I was, like, trying to simulate because everyone's different. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you and I have done it, I guess, through, through filming people. You, you get to a lot of times either go or film a person that's that's new to it or whatever, and sometimes – when something's happening people just like their adrenaline kicks in big time and their heart just goes crazy and they just kind of can't hold it together um typically and like i said i don't i don't know if i'm just built this way or whatever typically i'm i'm pretty calm until after the shot and then i lose all consciousness you know that (laughs) you've seen me you've seen me do it uh but i didn't know i'd never been there when elk was coming in and so what i did again may sound goofy like just picturing me doing this would probably make you laugh but like there's a like my driveway's got a incline to it i had my bow out there and my target i would sprint to the top of the hill sprint back down get my heart racing really really fast and then i would shoot Mm -hmm. just because like that was the closest thing i could do to a heart pounding situation where i'm all you know jacked up and everything you know tensed up and then see if i could still shoot while wearing a pink tutu yes that was very (laughs) (laughs) no that makes sense though i mean it it definitely i mean i know shooting whitetails with a bow golly my heart gets thumping but i've been able to hold it together here recently Mm -hmm. not so much when i was a teenager or i mean i would lose it there's not if i had every buck i shot at with my bow when i was a teenager especially (laughs) hunting in illinois i would have a trophy room like crazy but all i got stories telling about how i messed it up (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's a mental game for sure no doubt i mean i I would think making that shot mentally is one of the biggest things about elk hunting yeah i hadn't experienced it yet but based off shooting whitetails pigs whatever with a bow it's mental mm-hmm. uh, i mean you can do all the sit-ups running whatever you want to do shooting your bow if you can't hold it together when the animal's coming in you might as well not do any yeah. of it so uh, again i'd lean on strongly just taking the time to like mentally prep about it think mm-hmm. about it think about it and i mean just i mean elk hunting's a mental game anyway you gotta be oh, steady yeah. telling yourself to keep on making another step after step yeah once you get that day over with and you've done 15 miles uphill all the way yeah i think it was guys this is no kidding um like uh it was either last year or the year before that we did it we kept like a uh someone had one of those 
trackers or whatever. I don't know. We averaged over like 10 or 11 miles a day. Averaged. Yeah. And that wasn't really going hard at it. No. That was, that was, and that was the average for like, I don't know, nine days. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's, uh, so yeah, mental, mental preparation. And it, it, again, I don't care how goofy it sounds. Just think about it. Like, think, think yeah. about it. Picture it in your head, what's going to go down, and then have practiced enough and have enough confidence in, your shooting and your bow and everything that you're completely confident in what you can do that plays a huge mm-hmm. role a I, huge huge role there's no doubt about that yeah and, and it's a, a all of that will pay off it's a lot of work but it all pays off and, and i think all of it's necessary I, I to my knowledge i don't think we've l- mentioned anything so far that everything we've talked about i would say is pretty essential yeah i mean only thing i think about we didn't cover is bring some uh Lifting gloves so you can do pull-ups on a tree limb. <laughs> right. We'll mark that as the one unnecessary <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's it's a big undertaking. It's a I mean you have to be disciplined, um, but it's 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 a it's a beautiful thing when it all comes together. Yeah, man, I'm looking. I'm so it's. I still don't believe it's happening. I'm ready to see it happen for you. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm not so sure it's happening. I think I'm living in a, yeah. a fairy tale world. Because I, I can, like, I'm telling you, I mean, like, there's some hunts, like, I can remember dang near all of them, but some of them, it's like I can remember dang near every detail. Yeah. And that hunt with, with my first bull, bull elk, I can remember every single part. I can, too. <laughs> I can remember the first time I saw his antlers coming down. I can remember, I, I can remember walk all the walking it took to get us to that spot. I, I remember all of it. I just hope whoever's sitting behind me filming, whether it's you or Troy, is telling me to keep it calm, keep it calm, keep it calm. Yeah, that helps. Yeah, it helps big time when you got somebody behind you telling you, okay, just settle down. Yeah, it's it's a big part because it. I mean, and, and I guess again we have an advantage at that point because if you're hunting with two guys, you you know. Yeah. More than likely, your guy's going to be dropped back behind you, but you just got to keep it cool and let it happen. Yeah. And here's, I guess, I'm going to lean in on this again. If it's the one chance the elk comes in and he doesn't give you a shot the entire, the whole time, don't just fling an arrow at him. Yeah. You may get lucky and kill him, but it's a high percentage you're not. Yeah. Or you're going to make him suffer and he's going to go off and die somewhere and he's not going to benefit anybody but a coyote. Yeah. I, I may, I, there may be some folks that disagree with, disagree with us on that, but I just don't believe in it. Yeah. And that you wait and that, that you wait until you get that perfect shot because like Brad, Brad's been doing it forever too. Yeah. And uh, his, as far as like his confidence and his mental preparation, like he's, pretty confident when that elk comes in you you will not see brad take a risky shot yeah. and you ask him and it, it sounds obvious but he says it so so confidently that you kind of get where he's coming from he's someone was asking him i heard they said when do you you know when did you decide to shoot there he said he said i shoot when i'm a hundred percent sure that i can kill that elk well because it when i know i can slam dunk him correct he said slam dunk him if if look man here's and if the elk comes in and he's like at 47 yards and you draw back and you don't feel good about it, don't shoot. Yeah. Don't shoot. It's not Even worth it. you may have thousands of dollars tied up in this hunt. There's, elk hunting is not cheap. Mm-mm. I mean, I'm not going to say it is. Even though 
do it yourself, public land it's still going to cost, cost you some you dollars. Some, yeah. yeah, it's going to cost you thousand dollars or so. Even I mean, I don't put no a number on it, but it's going to be well over five hundred. I guarantee you that. But I would I would much rather say one came in and I never took a shot at him than say I flung one, hit him bad, and didn't kill him. Yeah, I mean you've got five hundred dollars invested in a tag. Yeah, you know, it's easy just, to me. It's just it's just not worth it. But yep. yeah, it, it's a. Uh, it's a lot, but it's it's doable if you if you approach it the right way. I think. No doubt. Um, anything else that you would like to add? I feel like we've covered a pretty good bit. This prayer is from everybody, and I make a good shot. <laughs> I prayed a lot. Yeah. I said, Lord, please let this all come together. You know. Um, yeah, I think we've covered just about everything. Uh, last few things, um, guys. Again, hit up that YouTube channel the how to elk hunt and then the elk hunt, the elk product videos uh steer you a lot of the uh will steer you in the right direction uh, go to the primo's website check out the ultimate elk checklist there's literally everything on there that you could ever need if you have any questions check that out uh arrows broadheads go to the gold tip youtube channel there's tons of resources there and uh yeah i hope you you t- learned a lot from this episode again me and jordan we're still very new to it we're still learning we're coming at this and and telling y'all this stuff that we have learned and still learning and i and i hope you you know perceived it that way mm-hmm. and uh so yeah that's it we're done if you have any questions as always send them into the facebook or the instagram page check out all those websites we told you about and yeah as always thank you for listening to the speak the language podcast and god bless <laughs>